Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast for film fans by film fans. Every episode, we look at films old and new to choose what should be preserved for all time in our movie vault. With lively topics, big questions, and crazy challenges to entertain us and our guests, we always look to have fun by giving you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a preview of what to expect in today's episode. So I, I think when I first went to see it, I don't think I really appreciated it because it was sort of like, well, I'm just going to go and see this just to say I've been to see it. I, that wasn't what I was looking forward to. It was the end game. If Craig's ever going to have like an advertisement for our end games, then potentially there's quite a few clips that you can use. in your. I, I was literally going to say, <laughs> I, at one point I was going to unmute myself when Laura said, I was only looking forward to the end game. I was just going to unmute myself and say, thank you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Are you not Well, good movies. Hello, and welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching. I am your captain on today's flight, David Avenger Osger, and I'm joined by my co pilot. Craig Revenger McDonald. Hello, Craig. Hello. The thought of uh, us flying a plane did kind of terrify me, I must admit. But, uh, I mean, okay. I find it more like worrying that you're trying to encourage me to go down this route of just utter revenge. Yeah, I just thought uh, in terms of the, the teams of heroes in, in the Marvel Universe, the Revengers, as you know, Thor dubs his team, you know, it, it has a Hulk, you know, which is a... Yeah, there it is. <laughs> pretty angry character. Yeah, there, there it is. I suppose it's a step up from you previously calling me a snob, and I still haven't forgiven you for that. <laughs> uh, I, I can see our guest face at that, um, just looking astounded at the fact you did that. I'm, I'm glad I'm slowly building some form of sympathy of just why would you do that? <laughs> I'm just going to compare all our guests to like Mr. Men or Little Miss characters that just so it like emphasizes the Craigs is like one of the worst ones to be allocated. But yeah, it's, it's a good evolution. Mr. Snooty to the Incredible Hulk, I think. Oh yeah, I'm no longer looking down on people because instead I'm smashing their faces in with giant green hands. <laughs> so uh, Craig, this feels actually like the most true to what we started our podcast for because we'd often have discussions about films straight after we had seen them in the cinema on the car ride back and this is like a special report we've got like an instant reaction of craig to uh, a film that you've seen today which uh, links into conversations we've had previously about disney remakes and live adaptations of their cartoons etc so you've actually just come back from watching cruella so tell the world what you thought craig yeah i mean I, I'm not going to lie, I was utterly reluctant to see this film because you, you just cannot build sympathy for someone whose main motivation is wanting to kill dogs to skin them to make a coat. And when I first heard about this film, I was just like, right, they're going to try and personalise it in some way to the point that even in the trailers you could see like the vi the villain character, the Baroness, has like a couple of Dalmatians. You're just like, oh, they're going to work that in. And I'm not going to lie, I hated this film for that because I, cause I called it, like, spoiler for anyone who cares about Cruella, uh, just checking, do either of our guests, do you mind me spoiling? Cool, the Dalmatians kill Cruella's mother. 
Of course, of course they do. Of course they do. Literally, like, oh my god. It just, I will say, everything to do with, like, Cruella's backstory and who she is, I think is utter, utter garbage. That said, and I hate myself for this, I did like this film. They, they managed to actually some, I mean, for a while they are just building up to the idea that, that she is just basically a psychopath. And they sort of like build into it somewhat. I think by the end it's sort of undermined very much by more information about how we learn about Cruella. But a lot of this film is basically just a hustle heist film. And anyone who knows me quite well knows that that's the sort of thing that I just I just buy into quite heavily. Um, and the way in which it's shot as well. And just I'm also surprised that I was actually invested by uh the connection she ends up having to like Jasper and Horace. I think that I think Jasper especially uh, comes off really well in this film. Um, so I do, I do, I did enjoy this film, but I've, I've heard that there's going to be a sequel. I'm not happy about it because they're going to be going more and more down the route of like, she owns dogs. I'm sorry. She owns several dogs and I don't understand how she can go... Like, one of them is a best friend from childhood. I don't understand how she can have this connection to a dog and then literally go to, all right, time to buy, like, a 99 puppies and, like, yeet them all to death. Um, I just don't understand how we go down that. I just I, I just would have preferred if they just actually actually have the guts to just full of, do a full-on, you know what, we're going to do just an, a completely unlikable character story. And from beginning to end... You're going to find this person fascinating, but unlikable. Something like Nightcrawler, I think. Granted, Disney will never do that. But anyway, that that's that's all my thoughts. Well, not all my thoughts, because otherwise we'd be doing this as an episode instead of what we're actually doing. Craig wants uh, a film, a Disney film, but unlikable characters, almost like Phantom Thread. <laughs> no, joke. <laughs> so Steph, Steph would definitely love that, uh, but not so much Craig. Yeah, uh, just briefly, like I said, I, I think that uh, tone-wise, I loved it, and like I'm glad that it was actually a remake with actual personality that actually like had its own, you know, character. But I was like, once I saw it, I was like, if there's anything Craig's gonna have an issue with, it's like the plot because that is like the major problem with it. But yeah, I forgot about that, like the moth scene with like the safe. I was like, yeah, that that's some good sort of hustle stuff right there. And Emma Thompson is just brilliant in it as well. So yeah, I can't I can't fault the acting. No. Well, it, you know, this does tie in kind of what we're talking about today, because, again, it's another example of uh, Hollywood doing these big sort of female led films. In the past, we've had, you know, films such as Wonder Woman 1984. We had Mulan. So unfortunately, a lot of these films got delayed by, you know, the, the pandemic, etc. Uh, but despite all of those films meant to have coming out last year, even then this year, we still had a lot lined up in terms of Cruella, etc. So there's a lot of films now which are sort of embracing this, especially within the superhero world. At the moment, we are now finally getting Black Widow, which is being released uh, from the MCU, making, you know, its sort of grand return. And we thought we would use this opportunity to talk about you know, female superheroes, and specifically within Marvel, why is it taken so long for them to have these female solo projects? And specifically, we wanted to use this opportunity to look back at their official first sort of female-led film, which was Captain Marvel. So we'll be talking about that later. Uh, but who better to join us than uh, 
two guests and uh, members of the World Good Movies team who joined us way back when we did uh, review Avengers Endgame when it first came out. So uh, we have our you know very own Avengers. Uh, the first is an encyclopedia full of knowledge of television and film. So he's our own vision. It's Stefano Slorakis. Hello, Steph. Oh, God. Please don't kill me twice or three times in the same film. Why would you say that? Oh, but yeah, good to be here. And also, I, even though I very much felt the same way about Cruella beforehand, I ended up really, really liking it. And I do think the second one might actually be the anime film, but remixed. I could see Emma Thompson become the villain instead of Cruella, and she's become something. I have no idea. I didn't expect it like this, but here we are. True. She she didn't, again, spoiler, but she didn't die either. So, yeah, that, that could happen. But, uh, yeah. And in terms of the vision uh, comparisons, uh, are you aware of uh, the... The conundrum of the ship of Theseus. <laughs> yes, I am. Sort of and in, uh, in the mirror and sometimes have that uh, debate. <laughs> yes, with uh, to be fair, I don't want to see my full white version of me because that would be freaking me out. <laughs> yeah, well, we uh, look forward to chatting uh, Marvel and superheroes with you today, Steph. And also joining us, just like the wasp zipping between video games and movies, it's our good friend. Laura Lyshen. Hello, Laura. Hello. Hi. Why did you compare the game? Like, I'm not... I'm, nothing wrong with the Wasp, <laughs> but as, as as female superheroes go, I got to say, she's pretty bland in my box, I got to be honest. Mm. Well, that, that's, I think, a part of the conversation today, isn't it? It's like, in terms of the smorgasbord, it was just like, who have we got to choose from kind of thing? And I was like, well... I don't want to paint Laura to be some sort of like covert Russian spy or, you know, a, a woman with potential issues over grief, which could potentially alter the world or something like that. So I was like, well, the only other one I've yeah, really got here. Yeah, if you only focus on their negatives, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, because apparently that, that's all who wonder is. It's just uh, no, a well, that, stricken that, teen. That is the debate that we'll have later, I suppose, though, is when people talk about the problems when you do have these sort of more three-dimensional characters, but then people sort of focus on on those elements. But uh, yeah, I, I suppose when I was trying to think of something that was maybe technology-based as well to do with like gaming and stuff, I was like, Maria Hill? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there was somebody playing Gallagher on the, <laughs> on the Avengers uh, airship, so I was like, I don't know, she could have been playing Gallagher that's at true. some point. That's true. Or I would, I would have rather been Darcy, I think, than the, than, than the Wasp. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good yeah. shout, actually, yeah. <laughs> you would have, uh... <laughs> or you could have gone with Siri, but that would have been another area, which I don't think we should touch right now. <laughs> I suppose you got like Pepper if you did one, like the Iron Man link. But again, she kind of just like zooms in at the end. Like, yes, I've got an Iron Man suit now. Is like where she didn't for like three films. So yeah, yeah, yeah Darcy, Darcy's a good one. Hey, she started as an assistant to a, a narcissist, and she ended up having her own suit. So I'm like, that's a good, that's a good career. Oh yeah, yeah. She she had a good sort of like character arc to be fair, but uh, wouldn't like I wouldn't consider her one of the superheroes kind of thing just from that one scene, but definitely a powerful you know and great character. I mean, I would say that she's got help included Pepper, so Marvel consider her a superhero. True. 
happy to bo- have you both on. And yeah, crazy to think back to the time in which we were talking all about Avengers Endgame. But uh, today we wanted to sort of delve into the world of female superheroes and like a, a coincidental link as well with that was, an, you know, one of the scenes within Endgame was, you know, tying into the potential of an A-Force film when they have all the female characters together. And here we are now talking about, you know, similar themes and, and subject matters when we have Black Widow, which has finally come out. Um, and we're going to be talking about Captain Marvel, which was the film that was sort of led up to Endgame. It was like the big film uh, in the MCU, which was released before that film. So that did very well in terms of uh, success for that. But a big evolution we've had from that time is a lot bigger focus on female characters and female superheroes, thanks to characters like Wonder Woman. Obviously, as we try to have more diverse and representative media then there's been a bigger push for you know characters of different backgrounds different genders etc so black widow which has now been released has been talked about a lot by fans as a film that should have happened five ten years ago uh, but is only now being released Uh, we had uh, captain marvel which came from the ncu back in 2019 as well which so that was our first sort of official female superhero from the mcu and we did have ant-man and the wasp but you know there was somewhat cheating there by sharing (laughs) sharing that name back in uh, 2018 so yeah i'll go first uh to yourself steph why do you think it's taken so long to get a black widow film and what do you think of marvel superheroes especially the you know female heroes we have compared to other ones again we're not talking so much about wonder woman etc but does Marvel sort of excel in that regard or are they just quite different? What do you think? Uh, this is, um, it's, it's a big question because it's one of those things like, I don't know what's going on in Kevin Feige's mind. I want to know, like I've been trying to get in there for years now. Uh, but for why specifically not a Black Widow film, to be honest, I have no idea. But when you are able to, find arcs and stories for two Guns of the Galaxy films, three Thor's, three Iron Man's, two Adman films. It's, I'm, I'm thinking you couldn't just slide in any kind of like espionage plot for Black Widow. I mean, especially what, let's just say up to Civil War, because that's where the film kind of picks up in midst of the, of the story and plots. There were so many ways, so many, so much information we got about Natasha from all the films. And yeah, and even though I did overall enjoy the film, I couldn't stop feeling disappointed and more than let down. It was fun with the fact that, cool, you know, that would, that would have been great. We have seen it back in 2017. But the, but the main reason, I would imagine maybe they didn't find the story they were more comfortable with. I don't know. It's And even now that I've seen the film, I still don't know why it took that long. And I do believe that it, it does harm it uh, in, in the end for taking for such a long time to be made or to even like conjure it together. It's because in the end, they, it would have hit so much harder when the her scene came up in Endgame with well, spoiler alert, with her death, if we had known all this, it would have been far more effective. 
And to be fair, I was one of those people who still very much cries with that scene. And I, I am very defended to that arc. This film actually helps that arc. You, when you have after we've seen the film, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense because that's how she always was. But we, but we didn't know that until, well, this week. So, yeah, uh, I don't have a direct answer. I have no answers. More questions, actually. Without being in Feige's mind, you'll never know. <laughs> uh, Laura, what, what do you think in terms of were you somebody who always wanted to see a Black Widow film or do you feel the Marvel has done sort of female characters well enough already? Do you think that they're so sort of different when it comes to, to sort of female heroes? Do you feel more represented than, say, with DC or, or other franchises? Um, I was... Like, the fact that we've had to wait for so long for a Black Widow film was a bit disappointing. I think we should have had one, you know, like maybe like 10 years ago or something. I would really like to have seen one where it was i mean i i don't know what the 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 new black widow film is about because i haven't been to see it yet but i would have really liked something where it was like black widow and hawkeye on their journey before all the avengers that would have been cool to see like they would say like oh remember that time in budapest and it's like well i want to know what happened i don't want just like little antidotes of like oh this is like that time and this is like their time i want to see those times you know and I feel like with the with the Captain Marvel film, I feel like they only like I only saw the Captain Marvel film because I hadn't seen it before I went to see Endgame. And I think we saw it like literally like three or four days before Endgame came out. And I was like, I need to go and see this before that. And I think they literally to me, they they made that film because Captain Marvel was gonna be an endgame and they need a way to sort of put her in there because she is such a big character technically in the in the film. But yeah, it is it is very sort of male orientated. But I think I don't know whether it's because I suppose the whole universe of of comic books and that sort of world then is sort of very male orientated anyway. Um, not so much now, but traditionally then I would say that you know boys read comic books and girls play with dolls kind of thing, you know. And I I think as well there's such a big focus on the male characters because it's a male audience watching that it's well you are they like to use characters that people can sort of see themselves in and you know it's like oh i'm like thor because i'm strong and i've got an annoying brother who you know that sort of stuff but you know if it's all full of female characters and a predominantly male audience it's like well what i i don't recognize myself in any of these characters i think that's why it's been such a long time to have a female-led film because it's only now that it's sort of like more mainstream than for females to be into comic books and that sort of stuff. I think as well you sort of do need to address the massive historical precedent elephant in the room, which is that obviously in the in the past uh, some of the worst-ranked superhero films out there unfortunately were female-led, right? Because you had... Uh, you had Catwoman, Supergirl, Elektra. Um, I think Tank Girl technically counts as one. I think that there might be another one, but I can't remember. And obviously, unfortunately, Hollywood is the sort of place where stigma like that is very, very hard to break, right? So the idea that this happens and then the overarching assumption is just, well, people don't want to watch uh, female superheroes. 
which I think is false. That what they want to watch is good films. And unfortunately, none of those films were good for a variety of reasons. Um, at some point, I'm going to have to sit down and actually dissect Catwoman because Jesus Christ, what on earth was going on? But that's the sort of thing. And I think as well, I think Marvel specifically trying to be relatively sensible with a lot of their decisions, especially considering that they, the entire premise of their model was not only capitalizing on the sort of franchises that people recognize, but introducing more and more to the mainstream characters that weren't necessarily household names and recognizable, right? How many people really adhered to the Guardians of the Galaxy before the MCU sort of took them on? Um, or like, like a couple of other a uh, couple of other characters, right? So they sort of had to be quite sensible. And I think it's only really when, unfortunately, uh, DC sort of beat them with Wonder Woman. But that was always going to happen, given how much more recognizable Wonder Woman is in the in like the public zeitgeist. Um, that they were able to basically just go ahead and they just tried with with Captain Marvel. I also just think that the way they tried to sort of advertise that film, very much also sort of put a lot of stigma on the film because like they did try and emphasize the because i what is the slogan i'm trying to think of it was like um i think it was when they just had the word hero come up and they faded out the o to just have her <laughs> for those who can't see laura's face specifically was just that of disgust and I, i'm glad i'm glad that it's not just it's not just a man saying this is what this is what should be patronizing <laughs> to, to people um yeah, and I'm just like, pe- the thing is, as much as you have like a more growing liberal audience, people do get tired when they when they think that these sort of liberal, uh, like more liberal ideas are forced upon them. That's why you've got to do things naturally, which is why I think it actually was smarter that they introduced more and more prominent female characters uh, within other films to basically build uh, to build that up, right? So I think Guardians of the Galaxy having two very strong candidates in both like Gamora and Nebula uh doing as well as they did to the point that like Nebula was a massive focal point of Endgame right like how incredibly vital to the plot is she uh throughout and I think it's just gone I think that's why like now we're now getting Black Widow because it's just seen as it's seen as like a safer uh a safer choice and I think that is probably the way I would describe the way in which Black Widow itself has been sort of released the actual film itself is it's not safe. It does a lot of things that uh, another time I would happily talk about my love for some of the different things it does, but they would be way too spoilery for Laura. So I'm going to hold off on that. Yeah, I think that idea, though, that the history of the characters, as Laura said, in, is important. And Craig also mentioning about the type of female superheroes we had before, because in some ways, I guess you can kind of be thankful that they didn't try and to a big sort of Supergirl film, even though they they did make one, but they didn't make these sort of, you know, big Wonder Woman films or anything like that before, potentially even Black Widow, you know, if they did that back in the 90s or something, there could have been too much oversight sexualization of the character. There could have been a lot of, you know, bad sort of depictions of sort of good, bad characters, especially with the fact that she is, you know, a Russian spy, etc. And I think as you said, Laura, is that because it's the kind of like boys are into comics, I think that comes into play. And and though female-led films did have some success when you look at something like the Angelina Tomb Raider films, but again, they're not the best of actual quality. And that was, again, very much 
on the basis of like, oh, you know, men and fathers and stuff like to go ogle at Angelina Jolie. Whereas now I think we've progressed to a, a stage in which a lot of the, the female characters aren't there because they're strong or they have, you know, they're like Superman, but in a skirt. It, you know, we've started to develop the characters in which we can be like, oh, what if they had this, you know, strange alien power and they could create like, you know, force fields and all this kind of stuff. I think it's as as they've got more creative with superheroes, I guess, it's gone away from the norm of the kind of like image of Superman being the traditional superhero, which is just somebody who's super strong and muscly with a cape. Whereas now the kind of characters you can get almost suit a lot more female characters because they can just be there in a sort of normal jumpsuit and they can have like a shorter hairstyle and they can you they don't have to be dependent on having like huge muscles. They can use like their wits and their brains and and the power within them and that kind of stuff. That's been like a big element. And I think what's held Black Widow back in that sense is that unlike Captain Marvel, who was kind of like made in the comics to be Captain Marvel or you know, and she progressed literally from Ms. Marvel. Whereas Black Widow has always been the same type of character. She's always been a supporting character. The fact that she's like Russian almost makes her a kind of side character, unfortunately, by default in that way, just because of the way the stories used to be told by that whole idea of like, oh, the, the sort of ethnic character is the sidekick and that kind of stuff. So I think it was always going to be a struggle in that sense to sort of give her a solo film, especially when the films themselves even set her up as a a sort of additional character as Steph said as well because she's been given her own arc within films but as an additional character she was never given her own arc as a lead character or even worse as you were saying about uh, Black Widow could have been sexualized in her own film if it was back in the 90s that's what happened to her in her introduction film with Iron Man 2 I mean that's what she was presenting in the beginning and even Scott Johansson herself has come out and said things about her portrayal in that film and how she kind of wished that would have been changed if it was now. Um, that's definitely evident by one thing I picked up on uh, while watching like Black Widow. And I also, uh, I was also thinking of exactly that situation. I'm thinking of the scene where they're in the, uh, there are the car in Iron Man two, and she's changing, and it's and it's and it's Sunny basically like focusing on her, and then just remembering there is a scene in Black Widow where we do see her like top off in a bra, but it, but it's like back on to basically show like battle scars as opposed to like any form of sexualization, and the clothes she's wearing is not like sexually long lingerie. It's very it's just practical clothing. I'm like, good. Although I mean, partly part of that is going to be like Scarlett Johansson having like producer control over that film so has the ability to you know change that which i also think is something the sort of helping uh helping that audience as well the fact that uh across all spectrum uh uh spectrums of the production industry uh you're getting more and more uh representation uh, in ways in which people wouldn't have had those opportunities before so you just get more of those voices actually coming out and just saying hey stop the male gay shit which, yeah, that was one of the issues why so many of the films that you mentioned, Electra, Catwoman, and Supergirl, that was one of the main factors, I would imagine. Well, I generally believe that made it into failures, the fact that there were, it was very much 
the male gaze around it by male executives and creators who obviously had no idea how to say, not only does these stories just make good films, but that's another thing about it. And, and, and yeah, it's been like that for so long. And only recently we're starting really kind of having the wake up call about all that stuff. And just, you know, it is what it is. We can't really change the past. We can just go and make better choices as we're going along. And yeah, and even though I do have my issues Black Widow, I do appreciate what they were doing and there is some new ones. Um, and as for Captain Marvel, I think I might be the only one here who actually enjoys the film. <laughs> um, uh, which again, we will go to it later. But yes, unfortunately, the the meandering uh, of the all the promotion just to basically say that this is specifically this is great because it's the first female-led uh, hero of the MCU. It's not enough. You need to prove yourself, and by doing that, your promotion it doesn't always look right. And it's always one of the things I'm afraid whenever I see anything that is from a minority group that truly supports, but it does not seem to try to sell the film, but the message. And I think that's why I love Black Panther so much, because that's something that I think does great on both sides. That's what I was going to say. Black Panther is a great example, again, of that sort of representation, because, you know, in that film, again, he's a king of, like, this African nation, and there's all these people behind him and great supporting characters around him. Whereas, again, I think the unfortunate thing for Black Widow is that the the solo film has even proven that they bring in a character like Yelena, and you have, like... Uh, the red guardian etc and all these other characters come into it so they almost say they're like oh we need supporting characters to join her not just because like she is incompetent as a character but at the end of the day she hasn't got a superpower she isn't you know superman or doctor strange she hasn't got an actual power i know that she is like a spy and everything but i think that ultimately if you're going to sort of make that representation then it's better to sort of be bolstered by a, a sort of more epitome of of what you're representing. Um, what what exactly do you mean by the introduction of the supporting cast? Because last time I checked, all Marvel films have to some degree supporting characters. So I'm I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, but it's it's that idea. No, but it's that idea of like with Iron Man, for example. Iron Man is the hero within that film, and every supporting character is just supporting yeah. him. They're not like a team. So Marvel films within recent years have gone with the idea of like, oh, let's bring in these supporting characters, which are also heroes in some way or form. So they've got their own superpowers, like Black Panther. You know, his sister's got the the gauntlets and all that kind of thing. So in the Black Widow film. She's got, like, her sister, which is, like, another spy. She's, like, you know, ultra-powerful. You've got the Red Guardian, who's, like, this super soldier. So they're all, you know, the four of them are super-powered individuals in some way or form. So I'm saying that, you know, to bolster her, they sort of bring in this team of characters, which are all super-powered, because it's hard to sort of make a film off just the idea of, like, she is a spy and she hasn't got any sort of like supernatural abilities unless they went really hard with the whole kind of like James Bond, Mission Impossible kind of. I just think the vast majority of Marvel films have that sort of dynamic going for them anyway. So I'm not sure if that's, I'm just not convinced it's like unique to her. Because like Captain America in the first film had the Howling Commandos, 
uh, and then later get uh, later gets Falcon and Black uh, Black Widow as support. Iron Man has like War Mach- uh, like has War Machine. Thor obviously has like his band of friends. I just think it happens. I think it happens at all stages. So I'm not sure if it's specific to Black Widow. Yeah. No, I just mean that I think that she sh- sort of shares the the screen a bit more and shares the sort of like action, if you will. Whereas again, somebody like Doctor Strange, you know, again you have like Wong, but it's like really, you know, is 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 he's very in terms of the action sequences and all that kind of stuff. It's Doctor Strange; he's the one doing the ma- magic. Black Panther; he's the one in the suit; he's the one sort of driving everything. But again, we're going to go into like technicalities about the Black Widow film, but. I think ultimately, even as Laura said earlier, you would have had somebody like Hawkeye there if they had done a kind of like origin story of where they came from. So there's always going to be an element because even in the original Avengers comics, she was brought in as a kind of like part of the Avengers and the part of the original team. There's always going to be an element of like Black Widow backing up this other character, etc. Whereas Captain Marvel was introduced as a kind of like she is the hero, she is on her own kind of element. Laura, do you... Do you feel like Marvel sort of did did a better job with its kind of female heroes in terms of Gamora and, as we mentioned earlier, the Wasp? Did you feel that they were doing a better job and even with characters like Pepper, ones who aren't super-powered throughout their films? Yeah, I mean, like, when I look back, I mean, all right, the first, the first, um, the first, going back to the comic books the first ever female um superhero was susan storm but she was kind of there only there because she was the boyfriend of reed richard then the next one then i think was the wasp the original wasp again was married to dr pym so it's like well they kind of just they just kind of fall into it they're not there to be the you know the spectacle of the show they're just there because well, they're going out with the guy who's in charge, you know what I mean? But I think they did a really good job with, especially, I, I, I really like Gamora. Um, I don't know what it is about Gamora, that she's she's very sort of, doesn't take no for an answer, but she's, she, like, she, she's got no real superpowers or anything like she's that. She's very but, self-reliant, I suppose. She doesn't rely, as you said. Yeah, and I, I, I think with a lot of the the female especially in 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 the marvel movies rather than the the comics a lot of the the like I said a lot of the 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 females in like like pepper potts jane foster the wasp like the, none of them have got specific superpowers whereas a lot of the male characters do and i think that is why captain marvel is such a good character to have in that cinematic universe it's like well there are powerful females as well and for it to be as powerful as she is, I mean, you know, she's she's pretty OP. I mean, they had to make an excuse for her to go away for the first part of Endgame. It's like, no, you'll just ruin the entire film. You need to go and we'll bring you back when it's necessary. Yeah, I think it is very much a case of... And I, and I think as well, that's, that's sort of like an artefact of like how, you know, then the comics were written in the 60s. Like, you know, the woman was not th- the main focus. It was the man who was the main focus. And obviously, you know, they've taken, you know, stuff from the comics. I know they, they've deviated a little bit or quite a lot in some places, but, you know, the the, the core story is from, from the, the, the comics. You can't really necessarily put the female characters as the main because that's not how it was written. I mean, if you were writing these comics, say, today, you would probably see hardly any variation between male and female throughout all of it. 
Yeah, I guess like the X-Men is a good example of that because they're just all team members that are all equal. You know, maybe obviously the films have gone and let's focus on Wolverine. But if you actually look at like the the cartoons and the comics and stuff, it very much is just like, right, you know, these are all the characters. Storm will have her own comic series sometimes. Wolverine will have his own comic series, etc. But they're all members of the team. They're all sort of level pegging because they're all super powered. They've all, you know, I can control the weather. I can do this, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and I think that that, 60s mentality that you know the old-fashioned mentality of the comics does come into it because i was going to mention about that idea of some people have mentioned in the past that trope of female characters being painted as villains quite often so this has come from the idea of like characters like catwoman you know poison ivy uh hella maybe even you know not so much in films but in comics and superhero content is that quite often even within other genres i guess you know, there was that idea of like the witch and the evil queen, like the Disney films and that kind of stuff that quite often female characters were painted as villainous characters. And some could say then that has sort of seeped over into some of the characters we are then getting. So a character like Harley Quinn, who's not, you know, a pure hero, for example. So some people was with Wanda, for example, can take issue with the fact of like oh well why is one of the most powerful female characters in the mcu have to be painted as a sort of gray character or doing bad things steph what 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 do you think about that i mean at least with wanda i i think the fact that she is so powerful but also very pure to her emotion it's extremely empowering in any regards i think it definitely makes a very interesting character. I would say that uh, it's and surprise and but beyond. But before that, yeah, there there is there was a big correlation between the the pure uncontrolled female sexuality to be interpreted as something of a villain characteristic. But that is because uh, for, for all the years of 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 being of giving a negative output to, to the freedom of sexuality, and that's how then we will have characters like Catwoman, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn. I don't know why these Batman villains came into my head, but why these three have uh, like they supposedly have the epitome of their own uh, sexual image, but also to be correlated uh, to to be sided into antagonists, which now we've come to the point where like, oh no, now now we've been very sexually open. We uh, we do not deem it as a negative trait. And now we have Harley Quinn. Now she has kind of basically become an anti-hero and even Poison Ivy within the last two decades, she has been also a sort of anti-hero or still a villain, but with a sensible cause, and then Catwoman. Well, you could even say she's become a hero now. Like the see, I can't see her anymore as a villain. But as for Captain Marvel, though, uh, okay. Um, like I said, I like the film, but I think I like the film because of everyone else except uh, Captain Marvel herself. Because unfortunately, it's one of those things that I do believe, even though they don't do the wrong things that other superheroes had in the past, she is quite bland, though. And actually, something Laura said about the Wasp, which is 
I absolutely agree with that she's actually a very limited character. Captain Marvel, even though she's so extremely OP, there's not much of her to be like, yeah, that's Carol, right? So, the, so we still think, even though we don't, we have gone away from doing the mistakes of the past, we, we still do other mistakes. And it's the very simple stuff of lazy writing. <laughs> At least with Wanda, I was very pleasantly surprised and has become one of my favorite characters in the MCU. And even Hela, which she literally is a representation of what everything I said before as a negative trait. But I think what works in Thor Ragnarok is the fact that Tekwatiri and Ken Blanchett, they know what they do and is so self-referential and, and almost in a way satirical to what they do. That what it works is is the is the is the distinction between doing a sex stereotype and a femme fatale, but self-aware. <laughs> and again, it's tackle what it is. So he always will do that, and that's why I love him. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, like I said something we'll get onto with Captain Marvel. I think there is that element of especially when you're going to have a character who's like, I am one of the most powerful in the MCU, and I have. You know, I'm very much like this sort of tomboy character. It's hard to not make them come across as quite brash and in some ways unlikable. Laura, what do you think between that difference between a character like Hela and Wanda, for example? You know, do you think, you know, it's great. Do you want to see these kind of like purely evil characters like Hela and then also sort of more complicated characters like Wanda? Like, do you see her as a great example of a female character? Um, I don't actually see Wanda as a grey area character. I still think, I still see her as, as a hero, as a, as a good character. I think the whole WandaVision thing is, which, what she did was completely wrong. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know whether it's because... I am a woman and I'm in a committed relationship and I can sort of understand what that must be like to have all of that power but not be able to do that one thing that would make you happy must be extremely frustrating and I think I would sort of have a bit of a breakdown and sort of just trap an entire town and uh, make a pretend life for myself. You know, I I completely see, I, I completely feel that that was justifiable, even though it was completely wrong. So I really don't see Wanda as a bad person. I just think that she's had, you know, like we all do, we all make mistakes. She she did made a mistake and, you know, she needs to say sorry. Um, but yeah, he- Hella, Hella was... Uh, Hell of a good, a hell of a good <laughs> villain. No, I, I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed Hell. I think, I think having a female villain in a Thor film, because I mean, you know, as much as I like Loki, I really like Loki. Like Loki is 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 a, a, a film favorite with mine as well. But it was it was refreshing to have a female villain in there. I mean, you know, we've had Thanos and we have Ronan and countless others, and it's just like. Yeah, we've we've got someone who's female now. That's that's pretty nice. And you know, she meant business. And if you didn't sort her out, you were gonna have a really hard time. So yeah, it was really good seeing somebody that was actually gonna cause a lot of problems if they weren't dealt with. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. I think that's the interesting thing with Wanda is that, like you, I see her as yeah, like I I don't see her so much as like a a, a sort of 
anti-hero or anything like that but i think there's just a very relatable and realistic situation and some people had issue with the fact that i think it was monica is it at the end was just like oh they'll never know what you did for them in terms of sacrificing vision so some people took that as kind of like oh well they're just saying that it was okay what she did because she was sad and she's like without consequence and i was just like but people can still make mistakes people can still you know like I said that could still be a character arc for a male character who's just done something incredibly stupid and has kind of gone yeah i messed up here but i've tried to rectify it the best way i can and i don't know if there's any way in which a character can sort of apologize for that you know maybe it is best they just kind of go yeah i'm just going to still step away from this situation so i think that that is why wonder is is such a great character is because she's complex she's realistic she's powerful but again it's not like the issues you can get into with captain marvel and characters like ray within star wars of oh it's the mary sue effect of like they're all powerful they're perfect they can't do anything wrong uh, which i think is just a human characteristic rather than it just saying specifically oh this is because they're female or because they're male or or anything like that i mean what doesn't help well it depends on your perspective but i think a lot of the uh in in universe for the wonder thing is i'm guessing a lot of people just sort of start to believe that she was just manipulated towards doing it by uh uh angela um agatha, agatha sorry it was agatha all along. yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's been a while since i've listened to the song too, too many it was angela all along angela lansbury yeah, too, was behind it yeah too many of, <laughs> she was a witch yeah too many of the palpatine covers i've just listened to instead your life began the day it nearly ended we found you with no memory we made you one of us so you could live longer stronger superior you were reborn i keep having these memories something in my past is the key to all of this you know how to fly this thing we'll see that's a yes or no question yes like to know what you really are i think i had a life here what aren't you telling me you've come a long way but you're not as strong as you think this war is just the beginning i'm not gonna fight your war I'm going to end it. Aren't you the cutest little thing? Aren't you cute? And what's your name, huh? Gary. What's you? I'll be back. In terms of Captain Marvel, like we've, we've sort of kept alluding to it uh throughout this conversation i think it is interesting as the first sort of big female-led uh marvel film because as we've said some of it relies on support and cast etc but she is still very much like the super powered character within this there is still an element of 
with Wonder Woman, they succeeded because obviously you've got a character which literally comes from an island of women and she's there with like a sword and a shield. She very much is, you know, empowering women and being a symbol of girl power. And I think that then this film had the weight of like, well, do they do the same thing? Do they make it very much with Wonder Woman? I think it literally came out on like International Women's Day. So do they go down the same route and potentially fall into the pitfalls of what Craig was mentioning earlier of having, you know, gimmicky marketing, etc. Or do you just kind of say, yeah, this is just another Marvel hero. And, you know, it doesn't matter about specifically, you know, what gender they are, etc. We just want to make another powerful character and another compelling origin story. So to me, I think that they still managed to do that very well. And they introduced this character really effectively. It does still come into the realms of kind of like the first Thor, the first Captain America, in which maybe it could be considered lower tier Marvel. But for myself, I really enjoy and love the film. Again, it's not maybe so much that something I would say, yeah, that's an excellent film, or I would rate it five stars or anything. But there's something just kind of just enjoyable about the film. It's something that I call like a a Sunday movie, which I've kind of written about before, which is something you can just put on one day when you just want something so easy to watch because you know you're going to have fun with it. There's fun characters there. It's just a kind of simple story. And I think that, yes, while Captain Marvel doesn't exactly, as a character, make it that fun movie, a lot of that comes through the other characters, the uh, the villains and uh, Sam Jackson being there especially so helps a lot with that but I think they still just set a a great world and a great story and I thought it was quite good as an empowering story again about anybody about people of when she has that moment of saying you know I'm not going to be controlled and I'm going to be the best that I can be again you know the film is not without its faults uh, but I sort of respected it a lot for, for going with the kind of this isn't just about like you know, this is important because she's a woman. She just has this moment of where she's been beaten down all her life and kind of gone, yeah, I'm going to rise above this. Uh, not so much like, oh, well, you can't beat me because you're a girl or any anything like that. So yeah, I, I think it is interesting as, as the first film uh, to be, you know, Marvel used for female-led characters because we're going to get a lot more of it in the future. The sequel is called The Marvels and it's bringing in the other female characters, which is uh, Monica Rambeau and uh, Ms. Marvel, which they'll introduce in the Disney Plus series. Uh, this film, Captain Marvel, uh, as we mentioned, it came out in 2019 before Endgame. Uh, it's directed by Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck, which are sort of directing duo. So you've got a female uh, director there along with Ryan Fleck. So they quite often collaborate together. Uh, the cast is Brie Larson as Carol Danvers slash Captain Marvel, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Ben Mendelsohn as Talos, uh, Jude Law as Yon Rog, and you also got Annette Benin as uh, the Supreme Intelligence. So Carol Danvers becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. So Steph, you've already sort of alluded to your feelings on it. You have a lot of fun with it. You do like the film, possibly not so much because of <laughs> the character of Captain Marvel herself. But personally, I think it, it's it's kind of one which could grow with the second film. I think that very much with Brie Larson, she was kind of finding her foot in. And I think that a second film, kind of like with Thor and with Captain America, she'll really understand the groove of the character because she was filming, I think, Avengers before she even made the Captain Marvel film. So there was still this kind of like, who is this character? What does she represent? How am I going to approach it? But 
but do you agree with the kind of elements that it has of empowerment? Do you think that it's it's good as a female story in that way? Um, just like how I describe Black Widow as a solid phase three film, Captain Marvel is a solid phase one film, and even you said that it's it's far more reminiscent of the first Captain America and the first Thor, and to be honest, that's how I see it. Because I do really believe that if that film came out back then, it would have been even a bigger success and possibly uh, one of the better films of that phase. Yeah, I do enjoy it. Um, I, but again, I th- it's because far more I really love the supporting characters. I think that the, 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 I think all of them and the arcs really make the film for me. And whenever I felt that at some point I knew what was going to happen, it didn't. And it was definitely the whole Talos and his family story up, which I think was the biggest highlight of them all. And the correlation of that with, with Mar- Maria Monica Rambeau, it was very strong. And, you know, when the film ended, I said, so isn't Maria the protagonist in all this? Because <laughs> her relationship with with her with Monica and and Carol was the stronger one, and the one I was kind of expecting to have from a lead, and not from someone we just seen in fragmented flashbacks, and then finally uh, an hour and a half into the film. But uh. But I do think in the end it does what it does, and, and I remember watching for the first time, and there were there was a father and the two daughters behind me, and at the end of it, they were ecstatic, and I think that for me that works. It means that okay, if 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 young girls watch this and they love it so much, and they immediately want to go to the Disney shop to to buy all the toys and everything. One, that means that capitalism works. Well done, Disney. And two, that the film actually does give that empowerment we were talking before. Is it is Carol an interesting, fascinating character? Not really. I mean, to be honest, you could literally just put whatever, uh, anything in her dialogue and will make her more interesting. <laughs> but I do... But I do like it. I do enjoy it. I maybe they need another draft of me or two. But does that make me less excited to what comes afterwards? No. Actually, I'm the Mar- the Marvels or Marvels. It depends on the pronunciation we're gonna follow this time. It's actually one of the more anticipated films of this new phase. But again, not so much for Carol, more because we're gonna see Monica and Miss Marvel. And also because Nia Da Costa, the director, she's excellent and she made the new Candyman film, which I'm really disappointed for. Uh, but yeah, that's my overall thoughts for Captain Marvel. Yeah, and I should say as well, actually, another big star of this is Lashana Lynch, who's also done well within like the Bond franchise. She plays Mar- Maria Rambo. So uh, shame on you, IMBD, for not putting her higher on... Uh, I am DB, sorry, uh, for putting it higher on uh, your casting list. Like, I, I understand the people who are more bigger stars, but come on, Lee Pace and, you know, being above 
Rambo in terms of like you know Ronan is not as big a character as Maria Rambo in in that film. Maybe they did it because you were on the uh, on the wrong website if you're on IMBD as opposed to IMDb. <laughs> yeah, I don't want, want to know what a IMBD is. That could be something very odd. Laura, what what's your thoughts on on the film like as a whole generally in terms you know was it similar in terms of having that kind of like yeah girl power sort of stuff was there? Well, I said, like I said earlier, I only went to go and see it because Endgame is coming out. And I was like, well, I haven't missed any of the Marvel films up until now. I can't not watch this one before I go and see Endgame. And that, that's why it made a billion dollars, I think, largely. <laughs> if you yeah. yeah, I think I literally went to see this. And then like three days later, it was like the Endgame film came out. So, yeah. But um, so I, I think when I first went to see it, I don't think I really appreciated it because it was sort of like, well, I'm just going to go and see this just to say I've been to see it. I w- that wasn't what I was looking forward to. It was the end game. Um, so I, I think on first watch, I didn't really appreciate it for what it was. Um, but I'm recently watching, re-watching all of the Marvels through in uh, chronological order and Captain Marvel comes quite... Uh, close in the one of the first films and so I've already rewatched it and I think I definitely enjoyed it more on the second watch rather than watching the cinema only because I didn't have the anticipation of the end game it wasn't like well I know what's coming next I, I took it as its own standalone film rather than like the, the filler before the big one that everyone wants to see but yeah, I agree. I think I think it did help a lot for um, you know the whole girl power. You know, we are strong, but you know, like Stefano says, she is she is a really bland character. And I think I I think if she didn't have such like amazing skills and amazing power, she'd be like, well, what why why am I watching this film? It'd be a bit sort of like, oh oh okay then. I mean, as yeah, I think as a whole, I think the film is fine. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's Marvel's worst film. I don't think it's I I, I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't put it in my top list then as of Marvel films. Yeah, she she's very much like a vehicle for the kind of like messages and that empowerment, but not because of her characteristics, just what she represents. I also think if Craig's ever going to have like an advertisement for our end games, then potentially there's quite a few clips that you can use in your dialogue. I, I was there. literally going to uh, say I, at one point I was <laughs> going to unmute myself when Laura said. Uh, I was only looking forward to the end game. I was just going to unmute myself and say thank you. <laughs> it's end game time. <laughs> like, oh my God, it started. Yeah, I think you're definitely right in terms of, you know, what, what you've both said is that it's not top tier, as I mentioned before, comparing it to, to Captain America, Thor, etc. But what I also appreciate about this film is that it does set up the world of Captain Marvel, not to the degree that something like Guardians of the Galaxy or Black Panther does, but with goose the cat the flurkin and you've got you know the the cree and the scrolls you kind of get an idea of when you think of a captain marvel film and even you think of this sequel you kind of know what you're going to get they've set the the world of captain marvel by having these kooky weird sci-fi elements which don't just seem like direct spin-offs of guardians of the galaxy it kind of has its own personality that 90s aesthetic i i think so helps with that in terms of giving it a bit of sort of retroness and nostalgia they give you a bit of that as well when she has that fight and the jukebox turns on and i'm just a girl is it plays you know i i guess that kind of gives it like a sort of bit of personality and vibe there again kind of borrowing off the the guardians kind of 
but so was Thor Ragnarok. But I think that the film still stands on its own. They still make their sort of own own world and sort of give it that charm and enjoyability and its own kind of sense of humor, I suppose, in a, in a way as well. So I think that's definitely something I'd want to see in the future. And I think that it is hard for a character like Carol Danvers to have this big personality because like Black Widow, again, she's often then used as a vehicle for another sort of story or for what she represents by saying that like, oh, she's being controlled her whole life and she had her personality taken away from her and memories implanted and all that kind of stuff. So even then almost she's like got barely anything to go off in terms of development. Uh, only this idea of like, I don't know who I am and I remember these people from my past, etc. But again, I I'd, I'd just go back to that scene in which what I when I felt that the film really came together and clicked was when she has that moment. She takes off the restraining device and she flashes back to throughout the film. She's been flashing back to moments in which she's, you know, trying to be a pilot and she's like out with her friend Maria and all these kind of moments in which and I think with her family, you see like her dad like shouting at her or like a brother or something. And she has this moment in which she goes like, no, I'm not going to be controlled anymore. This supreme intelligence, which is telling me what I have to be and what I have to do. So she like takes it off. She becomes super powered, turns into like a supernova form or whatever they call it. And I think that that's just a great moment for just empowerment of not just female characters, but for anyone. So I thought that it was good that they were telling the story in, in a different way to something like Wonder Woman of saying, how great is this? Because she's a woman who's walking onto you know, no man's land uh, in that film and in this moment saying this is somebody who's been sort of like beaten down all her life but has always got back up because it wasn't directly saying like oh you were like a female within like the military it was just showing that there has been an element of why she wasn't believed in or why it was a bigger struggle to get where she was but she's never been restricted by that which I thought was a, was a nice message so I hope that they can take some of that and put it into something like a sequel my only concern is the fact that they're then going, oh, well, we're going to put two more big female characters in there. And to me, I'm like, doesn't that kind of take away from the whole idea of having Captain Marvel as her own film? She's almost lost her film again by now becoming a part of a trio and a part of a team. What I will say specifically is that I think the introduction of the scrolls, specifically in what they what we do with them, because obviously everyone sort of expected, you know, the scrolls to be the villains and building up to the the secret invasion uh, of Earth storylines. Um, I'm very glad that they uh, sort of sidestepped that and basically went, uh, we're actually going to turn them into like refugees. Purely because I think in terms of what they do for the, the universe, I really like the fact, and I think this sort of demonstrated itself quite well in like Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, is that they now have a beautiful get out of jail free card for any time... Uh, something doesn't necessarily make sense. People can just go, ah, might have been one of the scrolls. Because obviously throughout uh, uh, Far From Home, people are just like, this doesn't seem like Nick Fury. What's going on? And then obviously it wasn't. Um, and everyone's like, oh, oh, yeah, I can, I can totally accept everything now. Uh, it's basically just all those having absolutely no idea what he's doing. Um, yeah, awesome. But no, I enjoyed the film. I think, I, I think for me, it was just a case of, like relatively basic storyline happening in an era in which there just wasn't really much going on um and i think that's one of the things that the setting of the 90s is sort of double-edged for me because obviously um it's when shield is sort of like starting out although this 
now like continuity issues with whether or not it's called shield or whatever the hell it actually is but who cares in the grand scheme of things some people yeah for me it's just uh it is a nice story basically you know trying to like bring in like elements of like uh the korean scrolls war uh but not to like a like a, a major degree um but at the same time as well you don't get any of the sort of consequences of anything else uh anything else happening so i think at the point where the story itself is a bit smaller it doesn't have any of like previous conflicts going on right because if you think about some of the smaller stories you have uh within the mcu they're all fed in from like some form of context of like the wide the wider mcu and i think this film does does get impacted by a lack of that because I think if you think of say like Ant-Man and the Wasp one of the most interesting things from that is Scott Lang having to deal with his life because of the decisions he made in Civil War uh, whilst also impacting the superhero life um, somebody somebody throw at me another example of a film and I'll say how it's got impacted by something else like Iron Man 3 you've obviously got like the, the fallout from the Battle of New York um, Black Panther uh, Black I mean, Black Panther doesn't necessarily have any uh, have any of that apart from uh, the death of his father. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously you have the death of the fa- uh, death of the father. I also argue as well. You have Claw, Claw of Ulysses, course, Ulysses Claw, yeah. Claw. You obviously have the fact uh, the fact that because he now has to have like a metal arm, like the things he's able to do in his operations have like massively increased, which has obviously led to like more conflict within the films. Yeah, you have lots of examples like that. This, uh, similar to like Doctor Strange, where there just isn't anything like that. Is basically just you have to be inve- you have to be invested in like the goings on of this specific story. Um, and I think there are just, and I don't think there's enough where they basically are able to get into it enough, which is why I don't think it's the most interesting story uh, that the MCU has sort of produced. Um, outside of things, I think the like the main discussion of this film I see is uh, how way too much in comparison to a lot of uh, other Marvel films just massively bigs up the military. Um, and I do get a bit weirded out by it a little bit uh, just because of how many like cool shots of flying jets that we do see. And that sort of like Top Gun-esque sort of Im- uh, imagery of like the fighter pilots. Um which at times seems a bit needless, but um, for the sake of building character, I think it's fine. Yeah, I think it's uh, it is interesting in terms of the yeah the overall story that they establish, the success of the film again because of where they place it and and when they released it. But it'll be interesting going forward to see how how they build on everything that they have, and I think that brie larson is an interesting example as well because when you're talking about backlash even though some people feel that it's just like us we feel it's just a kind of standard origin story um or there's like not as big a stakes etc or as much character development obviously the more muddy or like toxic side of things which we won't go too deep into is there some people just saying like about how they don't like brie larson or like the way that she acts or the way that she acts in public but i think the differences between her and somebody like scott johansson do show quite the differences we are going as as a culture because somebody like scott johansson which has been more kind of represented in that typical way in her early career as a sort of more attractive actress which a lot of you know young men stuff like so swooned over etc 
weird and she will be you know very softly spoken and she'll sort of you know she won't sort of tread into things too too highly whereas Brie Larson is quite you know vocal and being like yeah I like this and you're like oh that guy is just saying that because of this and you know this is why this film failed and you see a lot of montage videos and stuff online of people just being like oh you know like 50 times of Brie Larson is a complete idiot and all this kind of stuff and like I'll watch them and just be like that's just her being her I don't really know what you're on about and it's interesting because it kind of correlates a bit with the character the Captain Marvel as a character is this kind of cocky you know ambitious brave character who you know won't be talked down to so I think that almost people who take issue with that especially certain you know that idea of where certain men are scared of having their toxic masculinity sort of treaded on is why they sort of don't take lightly to characters like Captain Marvel or Brie Larson as a person because they're like oh what right does she come come along and say how things should be and how the film should be and why we're the enemy and all that kind of stuff I think I just think it's it's quite funny how they they both correlated in that way so in a way I hope that Brie Larson brings more of that to the character in a way of like making Car- you know Carol her own character of being kind of the the character who you know we've seen a bit of it in Avengers etc we saw with Thor that he respected her when you know he said like well where were you and she was just like I was off at other planets doing you know saving all of them when you were all, all here just on this one planet and it was, he was like you know respect so but I hope, obviously, that they can do that in a way that doesn't make her like a godlike character. They need to bring in some sort of complication or drama like they have with a character like Wanda. Like, Laura, do you, having recently watched Captain Marvel, do you have any uh, expectations then of, of a sequel or the future of, of the character? Like, what would you like to see? Um, I'm really looking forward to more. Like, obviously, now she knows who she is and, you know, where she came from and everything. It'll be interesting to see her whole sort of personality develop and just to see how because she is a very you know strong-headed character whether she'll feel i'd like to see maybe she'd feel a little bit sort of like as almost as if like i've got all these powers but i feel like my power is not being a superhero my power is that i can actually go and like be assertive and say what I want to say and you know do the things I think are right I don't need to be able to fly or lift heavy things to be able to go and do those things and I'd be cool to see like a bit of a conflict of sort of like you know who who am I in in regards to like am I am I a super am I a superhero am I regarded as a hero because I am a strong-willed strong-headed woman or is it because i can lift all the heavy stuff yeah i think that's another good part of the first film as well which i respected is that a lot of people i've seen like video essay essay creators sort of bring up this moment and i believe like sort of people who were interested in like fight combat there's a youtuber called jill bear up and she sort of dissected the fight at the beginning when it's her and uh, Jude Lord's character but then the weight that then that carries when later in the film in which he goes you know face me now fully you know like don't use your powers blah 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 and you think at that moment like oh yeah it's a Marvel film it's an action film they're gonna fight blah 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 but then just the fact that she just like you know immediately shoots him is just like I have nothing to prove to you and that that's a great moment as well you know having that that final say uh, over him and just being like no screw you you know I'm gonna embrace this but yeah I think that like you said Laura that would lead nicely to a kind of realization of like well in certain situations my powers you know I, I can't always 
as many superheroes, I suppose, have had that realization in their films and TV shows, etc. Punching a wall doesn't always solve everything, I suppose. That's an element of, uh, like, I think it's in The Incredibles, etc., isn't it? Like, you know, I, I, I can't always use my super strengths you know i need to you know think about my family and all that kind of stuff so it'll be interesting to see what what they do in regards to that possibly kind of like what they did with wonder woman like the first film being like oh yes the super powered battle at the end and then in the sequel it was kind of like oh it was just her like beliefs and everything which uh which sort of won the day and thank goodness we're not gonna have amnesia because i hate <laughs> amnesia plots so much it's the thing that ruined spider-man 3 <laughs> It's very uh, American drama kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting with the movie vault for this one. As we've all said, we know it's a problematic film. Do we think that it deserves to go in just because it, you know, does it get a free pass because it is the first female led Marvel film? And in some ways, one of the only successful female superhero films out there, apart from Wonder Woman, because as Craig said, there was so many failures in the past. What, What do we think? Like, this is the thing. Like, it, it will make sense for the sake of this episode to put Captain Marvel. It makes sense. But because it is, it does have the issues with it. And I do believe we're going to get better films within the next couple of years with uh, female lead characters. I don't know. Uh, personally, I would have, it would go with a female led superhero film. I would have gone with Birds of Prey far more than Captain Marvel. Uh, but of course, if all the votes are in, I wouldn't mind it. But for now, I think I will go with Birds of Prey. Laura, what 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 do you think? Do you think Captain Marvel deserves to go in? Do you think there is another film that's more deserving that we'd consider in the future? Or? It's again, like you said, it's like whether because it's the first female-led film, does it get a free pass? I don't think it does. I don't think it does get a free pass. As as it, as if you took the film as it was, um, you know. It, it singularly it's a decent film but putting it up against all the other marvel films it's not really something that like if someone said to me you know give me the five marvel films i have to see i've never seen any of them captain marvel would not be in that list yeah yeah and again it's it's not like wonder woman as well of being like oh well it represents you know that this female empowerment so much again i i while I said that that was a strength of it is that it makes this message about empowerment and not having to prove anything. Again, it's, it's not doing that like Black Panther does in terms of like, this is why it's important for, you know, the, the black community or with Wonder Woman about like, you know, what this is why, you know, this woman in a man's world, she's literally in a world war, you know, full of men, etc. So it's got these very powerful symbols and messages they're saying, but by Captain Marvel kind of being subtle about that, it almost then means that it, it can't be this big emblematic project to, to represent anything. And at the end of the day, DC beat them to the punch, essentially. I think the only other thing you could say for consideration is, given how important Captain Marvel is, like the MCU itself, specifically insofar as the integration, um, how well does it establish that character in terms of uh, in terms of like going forward, and I think we've sort of agreed generally that the character is not as fully there as it could be. Like I think there are elements in which I, I think like Steph talking about like being bland specifically um, probably isn't the greatest advert, right? And when you compare against the already incredibly strong like female cast throughout the MCU or up until that point already, so 
obviously you have like Black Widow, you have uh, Maria Hill, uh, you have Gamora and Nebula who already are doing a lot, uh, basically pursuing a lot of those sort of identity questions before we even get to Captain Marvel. So I think at that point, there's nothing special about this film which is warranting discussion, which I know it's going to be sort of disappointing end to this episode where we focus so much on this film and basically go, nah, but it's just it's just yeah. what we've come to. Yeah, well, in a way, it again is like why we were talking about it, isn't it? It's the element of Black Widow of like, well, is it a bit too, you know, too little, too late kind of thing? And in an, in an essence, you know, we, we just come to that same conclusion at the end of, you know, yeah, while it is a great and fun film, I think there's there's more to come. There's better stuff to come. And I think as we've seen and we've discussed with some of our favorite female characters and the better portrayals, they're usually mixed within films which are like more diverse and different characters. Black Panther, for example, could now become one of those films because of the unfortunate passing of Chadwick Boseman. If Shuri then takes over the mantle, that could be like the big, you know, iconic female character of the MCU in many ways because she would be depicted in, you know, many different uh backgrounds and so like groups etc which i think would be important but also you know the marvels could do a lot of that as well especially when you've got uh, a character like you know ms marvel which is very important to the sort of muslim community etc so i think that there's a lot of potential that that film has in terms of how it could go forward and uh yeah as, as steph mentioned with something like birds of prey of having that teamwork amongst uh, females which is is a big important uh, element as well so Nothing into the movie vault, unfortunately, this week. But, you know, we do have a smorgasbord of Avengers films and Marvel ones already in there, which I think, again, would be more than enough for anyone to see how how powerful this franchise is. So, you know, Captain Marvel is up against uh, some tough competition. So, uh, yeah, we uh, now finish things off to uh, end things on a high uh, with our endgame. We're in the endgame now. It's so annoying. Okay, endgame time. I know how much Laura's been looking forward to this. This week, we're going to be playing a game called Web of Deceit. So this, uh, obviously, we've been talking a lot about like Captain Marvel, but I've decided specifically uh, in honor of Black Widow being released, uh, this endgame is being dedicated to Black Widow. So obviously, uh, she's a spy, focuses a lot on espionage, but she also has a lot of prominently powerful things to say throughout her movie performances. So what's the game I've got for you today? I have uh, a couple of quotes, and I basically want you to tell me if it's a Black Widow quote or if it is a different female superhero or supervillain character. So basically, if you think it's Black Widow, you just say Black Widow. If you think it's someone else, uh, you'll get the point for saying someone else. But if you can basically tell me who it actually is, that will get you more credit. So are we clear on the rules? Cool. Okay, are we ready for the first quote? We have what we have when we have it. We have what we have when we have it. Which when I say it like that basically sounds a little bit like a, a school uh like a school assembly song. We have what we have when we have it. I'm just trying to say the lines in Scarlett Johansson's voice in my head. <laughs> just, I think whatever I say is going to fit. 
Yeah, but it could easily be a trick. It could be ScarJo, but in a different film. So I promise you, they're all superhero characters. It's not going to be like... I, I think apart from maybe arguably uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, that's always the thinking. Charlie, that's always the thinking. Cause... <laughs> okay, I'll be nice. Uh, I I don't consider that a film, so that's not in the <laughs> okay, game. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, wonderful. So, uh, Steph, who do, uh, who do you think it is? Here's the thing. It doesn't sound like a line Natasha would say, so I don't think it's Black Widow. So you don't think it's Black Widow? Any idea who it could be? Uh, <laughs> my 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 powers. That's, that's the spirit. My powers have a limit, apparently. Okay, Laura. Yeah, I don't think it's Black Widow. Um, I I'm gonna take a stab and say it's Nebula. Okay, so you've both gone for. You think it's someone else? You are both. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, it's a quote from Civil War. I met, imagine it's when they talk about the Sokovia Court with Steve. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Around then. Okay. Quote number two. I can't control their fear, only my own. What? I forgot. <laughs> I know this quote. That was... That was probably one of the most beautiful breakdowns I've seen on on this on this podcast. I know because what Steph what Steph did for the benefit of those who can't see was basically did an action as if they were picking <laughs> up a cardboard box and just moving it to the left. I'm taking the answer and putting it in the game. <laughs> it's 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 it was basically like uh, being on a PS2 game where there's an NPC that has only one move. It's just basically strangle you, but I can't move. Like actual my actual arms, that's my torso. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. Um say that again. I can't control their fear, only my own. Okay. So Laura. Um, I'm just gonna say not here again, because you know, I got a fifty fifty chance. Okay. And I'm just gonna take a stab in the dark and say uh Gamora. Okay, so you're going not her Gamora. Steph? I might be completely wrong, but is it Black Widow in the Avengers in the interrogation with Loki? Okay, so Steph? Ah, damn it. So Laura, in uh, in terms of not being Black Widow, is... David, you should know yeah, who this is. This is like one of my favorite lines from Wanda in Civil War. Yep. She, uh, when she's uh, blasting Vision down into the ground and he's saying that, you know, they will always fear you. And she says, you know, can I control their yep. fear? I just threw my ball to the other side of the room. <laughs> I, I did notice. Um, yeah. I, I worry for how the state of your room by the end. Although if you could throw things at your Phantom Fred poster, that would be, you know, top notch. Okay, quote number three. I don't judge people on their worst mistakes. I hate me. I can't believe I found a, a superhero quiz that's difficult for Steph. Like, this is amazing. Oh, I'm getting old. I'm forgetting lines. So, Steph? 
I think it's Black Widow because it sounds so sad and grew and uh, groom and so emo that it sounds like her. Laura, I I think it's her as well because considering all the past mistakes she's done, I think she'd feel you know like people should be you know ab- that, absolved from it. And for that logic, you are both. Yep, it's when she's speaking to uh, to Clint. Uh, in Avengers, so after he's been brought back from brainwashing, uh, he's basically he's apologizing, and she's like, "I don't judge people on on their worst mistakes." You see, that was my thought with the previous quote because it sounds so depressing. That it sounds like her, but then I forgot. Oh yeah, Wanda is an extremely depressing person. <laughs> That's why I love her. It's just like Black Widow has the most existential uh, crisis uh, crises filled past. Wanda, hold my beer. Okay, quote number four. I think this one should get some quick responses. Either one of you know where the Smithsonian is? I'm here to pick up a fossil. Yeah, I'm not even going to ask for this one. You've both said it's her. You are both... From Winter Soldier. Yeah, one of the times that I literally say in the cinema, wow, she's funny. Yep. Okay, quote number five. What one does when confronted with the truth is more difficult than you'd think. Okay, Laura? Um, I'm just going to say not her, just because on the basis that I got the first one wrong, but it sounded right in my head. But this one didn't sound right in my head. Sounds logic. <laughs> okay. I don't know quite how to process that, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> Steph. I, I don't think it's her, but now who, who it could be. Is it just MCU films? Is it in general superhero films? In general. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with... I'm going to say Harley Quinn. I don't know why. Okay, uh, Laura, were you making a guess for who you think it is? What was the line again? What one does when confronted with the truth is more difficult than you'd think. Okay, well, in terms of it, uh, it not being Black Widow, you are both. So that's another point to both of you. So the question is, is it Harley Quinn? It's Wonder Woman, so it's Diana. On the first or second film? Or Justice League? Uh, first film. Okay. Okay. Number six is probably my favourite quote of all of them. I am every inch the warrior you are. The screams of my victims fill every field. Okay, so you've both said it's not her. You are both... Let's hear your guesses for who you think it is. Uh, Laura? Initially, when I think of field, I think of, like, you know, a literal field of grass. Um, But I don't think it means that. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say... Stab in the dark. I'm going to say Nebula again. You're going for Nebula. Steph? Could you say that one more time, but with a very deep (laughs) and very grill voice like Nebula? I am every inch the warrior you are. The screams of my victims fill every field. Yeah, Nebula. You are both. (laughs) It's Nebula. Oh, 
awesome. Quote number seven. But before that, David, would you like to tell us the score so far? Uh, so it is six to Laura, five to Steph. So still everything to play for. Okay, number seven. You want to help keep the car running. Can you say that one more time because my neighbors are playing toxic and it's really distracting. <laughs> okay. You want to help keep the car running. Okay, so Steph? It's not Black Widow, but for some reason I think it's... I don't know why, but I think it's Black Panther... I don't know, but I don't know. I think it's like talk someone saying it to Suri, or okay. I don't remember, but yeah. And Laura? I said it was her, but then after I typed it, I was like, mm, I okay, don't know. Well, well, Laura, I can tell you that you are. Oh, oh okay. It's okay. from Iron and Iron Man Two. It's when uh, ah. they arrive at the complex and Sunny wants to fight and help. You keep saying Sunny, it's happy. Want to help. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I think it is clear that I've not watched like Marvel cinema films in a while. I'm just forgetting characters left and right. If you want me to remember their names, put them in the TV shows. Well, you say that, Angela. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> put them in Loki. Just put, just put everyone whose name I've forgotten in the last episode of Loki. I will get through it. <laughs> the next episode of Loki, you'll be like, I'm a variant called Sunny. Hey, I got <laughs> Where did I get Sunny from? Like, I knew he was obviously a positive, happy name. I, I first think... of all, I'd like to apologize to John Favreau for getting it seems, Happy's name wrong. It seems like the kind of name the Favreau would have in another film when he plays somebody's best friend. To be fair, oh, I think it's his name in that in that film, Chef. Ah, uh, right. Okay, that's somewhat excusable, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, next quote: Whatever nightmares the future holds. Are dreams compared to what's behind me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I have two degrees of cinema, I got it. <laughs> okay, so you both think it's not her? Uh, Steph, who do you think it is? It's Gamora in Guardians of the Galaxy. Laura? I wouldn't have known, so I'm not going to guess. Okay, uh, so in terms of it not being Black Widow, you are both... And the question is, is it Gamora? So that's one point for Laura and two points for Steph. Number nine. I'm kind of done with you telling me what I can't do. Has any of you seen Lost? I haven't. Okay, because it's it's a quote from a character. He always says it all the time. It's, um, so it's obviously a lot of like flashbacks right now. Okay. Okay, so Steph? I think it's Black Widow. Laura? Yeah, I think you might be here as well. Okay, well, I'm happy to say you're both... Hooray! It's the character we've been talking about today. It's Carol Danvers. Makes sense. Uh, what did I say before? Like, add any extra word in her dialogues because more interesting. Yeah. yeah. What was the line again? I'm kind of done with you telling me what I can't oh, do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, kind of makes sense with what I was saying about it the. It makes yeah. sense exactly for the character. 
Okay, number 10. At some point, we have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. Okay, Laura? I think it's her. Steph? It's not her, and I think it's... Ah, I forgot her name. Um, Rodan Russo, um, Logis and Thor's Marvel oh, Endgame. Yeah. Okay, Steph, you are... So Laura is... It's literally from the Black Widow trailer. <laughs> oh, really? Yep. Does he actually say it in the film, though? I think so, but like... Well, what's the context? At some point, we have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. Yeah, well, if I see the scene in the trailer, maybe I'll remember it. But Yeah. Or maybe we can all watch it again <laughs> and we'll put a pause on this <laughs> and then we go and then we come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not willing to do that because I'm not willing to have another segment where David gets me to re-record a segment, being like, "Okay, mm. so I screwed up this part of the end game." <laughs> Soz. Anyway, yeah, a, a final quote. I get emails from a raccoon. Nothing sounds crazy anymore. Okay, just checking. Have both of you sent in? Because um, I'm getting over. Okay. So, uh, Steph. Uh, it is her. Uh... And it's on Endgame while talking to Scott. Laura? Yeah, it is her. And you are both. It is indeed her. So, that brings us to the end. So, David, what are the final scores? Well, I actually just quickly searched that trailer as well. And it's in the narration she has when she's talking about her past and everything as well. So, I can't even see where that line is in the film because it's like over a piece of montage. But uh, yeah. so she might, yeah, I don't know. She might say it, but it's where they're playing all the, the previous clips. But yeah, seems like something she could have brought up at one point when she's talking to certain characters. But yes, uh, we have uh, Stefanos had eight, but Laura came through victorious with 10. So Laura is the winner. Awesome. Congratulations. Woohoo. Very much a, uh, a role reversal from the first time that you two faced each other. Yeah. <laughs> Also, the first time I lose, oh, or second. Oh, no, I think seconds. Well, we still have, like, the champion of champions for endgame coming up, so it'll be interesting to see how you and I fare there. Yeah. Laura's, uh, Laura's been building up since since the first ones. I think she's got... She's improved each time and possibly won the last one, I can't remember. But, the uh, yeah, it was a close race throughout the entire thing. It was always just Laura slightly ahead. And then when Steph had the two points on the one, I was like, oh, he might catch up now. But no, it's when you differed on the, the one that clinched it. Uh, well done, Laura. Thank you both uh, for joining us on this episode, talking all about Marvel and female superheroes. And yes, like while some of it wasn't the most positive because we haven't had the best sort of representation in this genre, I think the door is open to have a lot more possibilities in the future. We've got a lot of great examples such as Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman, and, you know, parts of Captain Marvel, as we said, is still a good film, still enjoyable. Go check it out. Uh, it is a fun watch, uh, but perhaps not the most essential or pinnacle of the MCU. Um, so we look forward to, to what we get in the future, especially with the likes of Ms. Marvel, etc., getting her own TV show, and we have She-Hulk having her own TV show, etc. So I think we're going to get a lot more strong female characters in the years to come. Um, and Captain Marvel and Black Widow have, have sort of set the foundation. They've, they've set them all up uh, in, a, in a good, effective way. So 
where can we find you both? Stefanos, thank you for joining us. Uh, anything you've been up to recently? What, where can we catch you? Yeah, you can find me on, on Twitter at SYFloraKiss, which you can just see me just tweeting all the time about Alligator Loki because <laughs> he's generally, or maybe they, maybe he's the first non-binary character of the MCU. Ah, <laughs> oh, what, a, what a year we're living in. And as for anything else, well, I've been I am a regular guest to the Capes, Cows, and Mass. Over there, you can find uh, the review of the each episode of the Falcon with the Soldier, and we also talked about Invincible. And and stay tuned because we are going to talk about Shang Chi and any other Marvel if they if they call me again. And I can't wait to come back here when we talk about the Marvels in a year and a half. <laughs> Yeah, surprising how close that is, actually. Uh, Laura, where can we catch yourself? What have you been up to with uh, your gaming and streaming and everything? Yeah, so I stream over on Twitch. Um, I do streams Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Sundays. Um, I do them in the daytime of British Standard Time or Greenwich Mean Time. Usually 10am till about 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and you can find me over on Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash L-A-W-L-A-L-E-Y-S-H-O-N, Lola Lyshon. Awesome. Go check it out. I thought you were going to say then when you said, oh, I do them in the daytime to British, and then you said like British time. I was like, oh, okay. I thought you were going to say like British daytime television to like the same, <laughs> to the same like times as that runs. And I was just like, I'm not sure if that's the best uh, selling point, but to be fair, if there's any reason to go watch a gaming stream instead of something like Loose Women, go watch the gaming stream. <laughs> go watch Laura. You you don't want to be supporting all that kind of, uh, you know, do I buy or not do I buy and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, go check it out. What, what have you been playing recently? It's uh, obviously I think Craig would love it. You got Pokemon Sword and Shields, The Sims, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'd be playing all that. I've been playing. I'm trying to get through Dark Souls at the moment as well, which I got a bit of a love hate relationship with Dark Souls. <laughs> and uh, currently going on Minecraft a lot. Got a server for my community, and we all play on there as well once a week. So yeah, it's going really well. Awesome. Yeah, go check it out. Uh, yeah, where well, you can catch ourselves as well, uh, the same sort of socials, etc. We are on facebook twitter and instagram at well good movies you can catch us on our host site which is freshtakehub.com and uh, you can see loads of interesting articles and features on there uh, and you can catch this podcast at well uh, sorry at freshtakehub.com slash well good movies and uh, you can also catch this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts including youtube as well uh, we upload a sort of video version of this with the uh, so like a, a waveform so you can still just listen to it you don't have to watch it or anything like that and we're of course on places like spotify itunes etc so please do go like us and share and subscribe over on there uh craig anything lastly from yourself i genuinely have nothing for this because anything i can come up with in terms of being my funny snarky comment uh might be a bit might be a bit too like insensitive so all i can say is go watch black widow go Think about Cruella and whether or not you can get behind somebody who genuinely they question at one point in the film if she's killed a dog. And you can wonder about why she has dogs at the end. Uh, go rewatch Captain Marvel, see if you think it is, uh, if we made the right decision leaving out of the film vault. Uh, and in terms of all of your uh, beautiful upcoming uh, superhero films, 
of a variety of characters, uh, especially the female-led ones. All I could say is, you've got help. Uh, yeah, well, like I said, uh, thank you, Steph and Laura, for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. And yes, uh, do go check them out on uh, Twitter and Twitch, uh, two very similar <laughs> signing platforms there. Uh, go catch us on freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies. Myself, I recently did a feature all about epic uh, movies, the genre of the epic and how Titanic was one of the last hollywood epics go check that out on our website as well as all of our other episodes so we look forward to chatting you again in the future we got our 50th episode coming up very soon which is going to be lots of fun and uh yeah we look forward to having steph and laura join us in the future as well so have a good time guys and as craig said go support cinema go watch black widow and uh let us know what you thought catch you in the future <laughs> bye-bye see ya goodbye i need a darling It was more likely to be a yellow jacket than it was going to be wasp. Don't worry. That's my forgettable. So forgettable.